0: ever heard of mad mutually assured destruction and that's why we never had a nuclear war well by the way that's probably why we're not gonna have the debt ceiling not be raised they're gonna raise it because of mad now before we get into all that folks i do want to thank and give my sincere Uh, Blessings to all the families for those soldiers that gave all. Remember, this is Memorial Day weekend. This is not for the veterans that served that are still here. Memorial Day is about the fallen, the people that gave their lives so that we could be a free country. And whether we disagree or not, say whatever we want, except for fire in a theater. Now, and I wore my red, white, and blue in commemoration. I've got my blue pants, my red shirt. So I'm red, white, and blue today. And uh, so folks have a great Memorial Day weekend and uh, say a blessing and say a prayer for those who gave all to keep this country free. All right, now let's get right into it. You know, this, this debt ceiling debate to me, it reminds me of the Eagles. Take it to the limit one more time. Do you know, do you know, and Don's got that um, Time Magazine cover, is the U.S. going broke up there on the screen? I don't know if Zach's got it up there, but. That was from 1972. So they have been playing you, the politicians I'm talking about, they've been playing you like a fiddle for decades. Now, Time printed this cover in 19, 1972. Ross Perot came out as a candidate with the national debt crisis in 1992. And then Americans' uh, credit downgraded was downgraded in 2011 from AAA to AA. So we've been through this before now. Did you know that the debt ceiling has been raised 78 times since 1960? 78 times. That's almost once per year on average for the last 73 years. And by the way, did you also know that, look, if push comes to shove and it gets too close, they can just do a little uh, temporary, just a bill to, to raise it for two months while they get their ducks in a row. They've done that before where it's just a little stopgap, just a little, you know, uh, fill in the hole just until we get, till we get, uh, everything in order okay they've done that before they can do it again here's the other thing they're not telling you they got hundreds of billions probably over a trillion i haven't added it all up that they've already have that they got for covid for relief for stimulus for all this kind of different infrastructure all these kind of different things that they've done that they haven't deployed or spent yet it's been allocated and earmarked but it's just sitting in an account somewhere. It's been there for a couple of years for the COVID stuff, but they've already earmarked it. And they don't want to give that up because if they give that up, then they got to go try to get it back again. And if they try to go get it back, if they borrow it from there and they go get it back, people will start asking, well, COVID's kind of long, gone now. Why are, we, why are you holding those hundreds of billions of dollars in reserves? Let's let it go and spend it on something else. Point being, you're being lied to. Don't be a useful idiot. Don't fall for it. now. If, if the U.S. was truly going to go bankrupt, why are yields coming down? Why are treasury bond yields actually holding, they would, they would be going way up. They would be sky, they're actually coming down. So institutional investors, not retail, mom and pop may be getting scared and freaking out, but these retail investors, they're actually buying treasury T-bills right now. So they're not signaling it now. I have posted a couple of articles on the th- uh, thing, so you can, you can read them yourself. One is uh, monetary support suggests the bear market could possibly be over. This is actually a very good article, and it talks about uh, the dichotomy, you know, the recession, the leading indicators, the yield curve being inverted, all those things that are pointing to recession. But this article saying because of all the monetary, remember I've talked about the free reserves, the excess reserves, the money supply. The banks still have a lot of money. Even though interest rates are high, they've got a lot of money in the banking system. And what this article is suggesting and that that's kind of softened the blow, but also that from a technical standpoint, the markets held the 200-day moving average, a couple other things. And he's saying that if you look back in history, we may be turning the corner and this recession may actually be shallower than, than we expected, and we may be actually be, uh, do well. Now, whether that's true or not, it's a great article I posted. It. The second one is, what would it mean if the global economy, the U.S., defaults on its debt? This is why I'm talking about this MAD, this mutually asserted destruction, because nobody really, really knows. Now, Mark Zandi of the Chief Economist at Booties. Uh, and by the way, Moody's is claiming that the uh, U.S. may lose their AAA rating if they don't get their act together and raise the debt ceiling. I thought they already lost their AAA rating. Was Moody's the only one? I have to go look that up. Was Moody's the only one holding out, still giving them a AAA? Anyway, he was saying that actually if they defaulted, the U.S. dollar could actually strengthen. People would move to the money markets and be out of Treasury. So Treasury bonds could sell off, but cash could could go up temporarily before it actually gets hurt. But you're talking about the U.S. global, the, the, the reserves, the world reserves in the central banks. 60% of that, actually 58, a little less, is in U.S. dollars. 20% is in euros, and less than 3% is in yuan. So when everybody says the yuan's going to replace the dollar and it's the next reserve, reserve currency, maybe, but it's not going to be for decades. The yuan is not ready for prime time. It's not even close. And that's why they peg it to the dollar and they don't let it free float. OK, but back to the point, if the dollar were to default, if the U.S. were to default, nobody really knows how big the fallout would be because everybody, everything is traded in dollars. OK, everything is traded in dollars. So it's just not It it, 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 it is like mutually assured destruction. And the last article, and it's a good article by. um Oh, who's uh, Jeremy Siegel? He's the Wharton professor. And he basically said that um, uh, there is zero chance of the U.S. defaulting. And actually, this was sent in the mailbag uh, by a listener. uh, And he asked me to comment on it. There's zero chance of the U.S. default. Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel says, he said, quote, the timeline will be extended or the debt limit will be raised. Just what I said. And, and I said, uh, here we go. That's right. Here we go again. That deadline would get everybody on the edge of their seats. And then it gets raised. Uh, Don said, I agree with a good professor. Okay. So one last mail-back comment, because it's going to set up for getting into the markets because we are going to get straight into the markets today. We're not going to take a lot of time because this is uh uh, very important right now, especially with this debt ceiling looming and all the things going on. Uh, this is from uh, Dr. M. Can you please talk about why it seems like everything except tech is doing badly? In particular, the medical stocks have gotten hit this week. So he's asking why there's such a bifurcation because you've got this tech stocks are doing well, but everything else is kind of struggling and the breadth of the market really isn't that healthy. I'll go you one better. It's actually uh, become some some sub-sectors of the tech industry that is actually uh, doing well. Not all tech. Not all tech are equal. By the way, there's two other articles. Um, One is helping millennials reach home ownership. It is very tough now for these younger generation because the home prices are so high. And this one, actually, this is kind of like a... It's a, it's called True Life Companies. They try to do these smaller houses. They try to help. They do different things to help uh, 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 millennials. If you're interested in that, you go ahead and read the article, or you can call me on it. And then finally, there's one about uh, uh, defective grants, grant grantor retained annuity trust. Uh, it's pretty complex estate planning for higher net worth people. And now you can swap assets for tax planning that gets real deep. I'm well versed in it. Call me if you have that issue, but essentially now you can it seems it appears that you can take an asset with a very low cost basis that wouldn't get a step up in basis in a trust and swap it out for a same valued asset that may not have a big a low cost basis big capital gains, and therefore. When you die, the kids would get a step up in basis on the stuff held outside. So you can start doing more creative. They've loosened up the rules on the grats. That's the bottom line. Again, that's very complicated. I don't want to dive too deep in that. Call me if you've got a state or any planning issues. And by the way, before I forget, I do want to give the disclaimer. Look, uh, Revere, uh, this money, your money podcast is for education and research only. It's not for individual investment advice if you want individual advice reach out to us don't don't just go buy something to some really handsome guy that's very intelligent on the podcast hey, <laughs> tells hey. tells you to do so yeah, or even don we're,
1: we're handsome <laughs> guys that are intelligent
0: on a podcast hold on a second <laughs> that's us all right all right so in any way with that let's let's kind of jump off into the markets i'm going to turn it over to don and i kind of don't want to do it with that kind of backdrop with that guy's question in the mailbag look man Tech rallied this last week. Where's everything else? So, Don, what in the hell's going on?
1: Uh, Dan, I think it has to do with two letters, and I'll bet you know what they are. I do. AI, artificial intelligence. And we, we follow William O'Neill's methodology. Uh, the acronym for it is CANSLIM, Seven Characteristics of Leading Stocks. And the two main letters, the two most important to me, are M which is market, how is the overall market acting? And N, individual leading stocks normally have something new tied to them that makes them strong growers. Uh, Something new, a new product, new management, uh, new economic conditions. And in this case, artificial intelligence, which really came to the fore earlier this year with uh, ChatGPT Uh, and now Microsoft, Google, and especially have latched onto it as part of their business. But in order to run that, they need the, the fastest chips available. And those chips are made by NVIDIA currently. Uh, and NVIDIA and ticker NVDA had a just blowout earnings report. This was already one of the top seven stocks in the NASDAQ 100. They raised their guidance for the next quarter for sales from 7 billion to over 11 billion. You just don't see that in mega cap stocks like that. And that uh, lit a fire under the market. Uh, it Anything tied to artificial intelligence in any way, shape, or form, the stocks are having a big run. It's, it seems a little bit uh, similar to what happened in 1998, 1999 with, um, with the uh the internet bubble the run up into 2000 uh led by stocks such as qualcomm which was creating chips for uh cell phones and cisco which was creating um the uh the switches and the and the routers that were routing all the new internet traffic as everybody was coming online so we're going, it seems like, and, and in, in NVIDIA's uh, earnings report, they said this appears to be a 10 year super cycle, and we're just getting started in it, just in the first inning. Uh, and all the data centers around the world are being redesigned to handle these chips that can uh, process all the high capacity traffic flow that's coming into them. This trickles out to the network, handle all that. And there's a a lot of uh, sectors and industry groups that are coming off of artificial intelligence that are going to benefit from this. And it's very possible that you could see a bifurcation similar to you saw in 98 and 99 with the NASDAQ far and away leading the S&P because of all the money flowing into stocks that are tied to artificial intelligence. Remember back uh, in the late 90s when all of a sudden on TV you'd start seeing commercials and... Uh, they're putting their web address on there. Uh, yep. Companies would say we're establishing a web presence and the stock would shoot up 20% the next day. Nobody really knew how big it was going to be. The last thing that I can think of that's similar to this is the crypto craze, which has really ended up, in my opinion, being a whole lot about nothing. I, I mean, Bitcoin and Ethereum are still the two major ones, but can you name a third one that's had a significant Impact on the everyday person's life, how they live. Uh, you know, every every crypto coin had had a story attached to it, but most of them are just are just junk coins right now. So, what we're let's let's get into the markets and show uh, what happened. And we're going to start off with a thirty minute chart and something uh, I, I have been talking for a while about uh, this breakout uh, above this uh, 41.50-ish level as we were trading in a tight range between uh, 4,100 and 41.50 for a while. We broke out on May 17th, we followed through on the 18th, we had two days of a consolidation, and then uh, the debt ceiling on these two days started to hit the market. And we pulled back, the first day we pulled back, we held right where we needed to at that 41.50-ish level, 41.40, but then the next day, Uh, The fears continued and we gapped down. But where did we hold the bottom? The low of the day was 4,104. So holding that very critical 4,000 level that established the bottom of that range that we broke out of. Then uh, NVIDIA reported its earnings. Uh, It trickled through. The NASDAQ had a big gap up over 2%. The S&P gapped up a percent, but it hasn't followed through to mid caps or small caps. Uh, or really any other part of the market. It's really been tech-centric. So we bounced around a little bit on Thursday, tried to break out above this 41.60 level, but we pulled back, closed right on 41.50. So then the next, so that's good. At least we're not at the bottom of the range again. We're battling the top of the range, see if we can follow through on the breakout. Then this morning, uh, inflation data, PCE inflation data came out and was a little bit worse than expected. And initially, uh, the market, the futures were up about two-tenths of a percent. They pulled back to flat, but by the time we opened, we were back to two-tenths of a percent, and the market's been rallying all day, as you can see. So it's possible that uh, the market has gone from being concerned about inflation to being more concerned about whether or not there's gonna be a hard recession. Over the last week and a half, a lot of uh, retail stocks have taken big hits. Uh, one of the big credit card processors reporting slowing sales uh, that hit restaurants for a day or two. But uh, it, the market's shaking it off as of right now. So we rallied wherever we rallied up to so far so far today, right at this next resistance level where we failed several times, which is the high of the day today is 42.03. Uh, and you can see we're pulling back here. It's 11.32 AM Eastern time. We're pulling back, we're uh, right about 41.92. Right now, so uh, today's been a positive day for the market. It's it's uh, you want to see follow through strength after you uh, test a low and bounce off of it. So we tested the low on Wednesday, we bounced off of it on Thursday. The bulls want to see a follow through, and we're seeing that today, and we're seeing it in the face of bad inflation data, which makes it uh, even more noteworthy. So uh, bulls want to see a breakout above this 4,200 level, but this has been a very strong ceiling and that's where we're pulling back right now not a surprise that we're pausing here because we did just run two and a half percent from 4100 straight up to 4200 uh in two days off the bottom from wednesday Uh, so it's normal to pause here but if we pull back we now want to see that this range holds this 4160 ish level we want to make sure that holds maybe go sideways for a little while and then see if we can blast off to the upside above 4200 That's what the bulls wanna see, the bears are gonna wanna see a breakdown back below this level. And ideally, the bears aren't in charge until we break back below 4,100 on the S&P 500. So keep this picture in mind here. And now I'm gonna go to the NASDAQ 100 and the chart looks nothing like uh, the S&P 500. And this is because this is where all the money's flowing. This is a a similar uh, base, that seven day, eight-day base that we were talking about that we broke out of. On the NASDAQ, we only pulled back to the top of that base on Wednesday. Gapped up on NVIDIA here on Thursday, following through and making higher highs. The NASDAQ is much stronger than the overall S&P 500. The tech sector is much stronger. It's the leading sector, so it's pulling the S&P up with it. And this is what I'm talking about, uh, the comparison of the NASDAQ in 1998, 1999, versus the Dow and versus the S&P. Uh, it's a technology revolution is the way the market is treating it right now. People are going to call it a bubble. Maybe in hindsight, it'll be a bubble, but we're going to ride that bubble. It's like being a surfer and getting on a wave. You ride that wave as long as it goes until it stops. Let's compare this to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is uh, not tech-centric in any (laughs) way, shape, or form. Look how it broke down out of its range, never had the breakout that the other indexes did, broke out down the bottom and now it's just rallying into the bottom of the range. So those three big cap indexes represent, uh, I guess you could call them the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is the NASDAQ, the bad, and it's not really bad, it's more average, it's the S&P 500, that's the benchmark, but the ugly is the Dow uh, just rallying back into the bottom of its range. Uh, and let's let's just go to mid caps real quick. MDY, same 30 minute chart, and you can you can compare. Uh, this is uh, better than the Dow, not as good as the S&P 500, uh, nowhere near as good as the NASDAQ 100, but this is still trying to recover. The mid caps and small caps are still trying to recover from this regional banking crisis. Here's the small cap index, a little bit better than mid caps, not as good as the S&P, definitely better than the Dow, and nowhere in comparison to what's going on with the NASDAQ 100. These are the five indexes that we, uh, that we review in every video, every night, pointing out the strengths and the weaknesses of all of them. Uh, bulls want to see the small caps get above this 180 level. That's the 200-day moving average, where we've been struggling under there. Uh, Small caps have been struggling under there since the beginning of March when that uh, regional banking crisis started and they haven't recovered from it yet. Putting in higher lows, which is a plus, the definition of an uptrend is higher highs and higher lows, but we need to start making those higher highs along with it. So those are the five indexes. That's what's gone on this week, all on the back of a big leading stock, NVIDIA, NVDA, monster gap up on its earnings report, Uh, a 50% increase in the sales of chips for the next uh, quarter. And this is carrying a lot of uh, other tickers that are uh, a lot of other stocks that are tied to this AI revolution higher. And that's where the money's flowing right now. And you can either argue with it or get on board with it. Uh, The decision is yours. We've taken advantage. We've been talking about the AI stocks that we've been in for uh, about the last two months. And, it, it certainly uh benefited our portfolios this week with this big gap up.
0: Yeah, Nvidia is our biggest holding or second biggest holding? Uh, individual third. stocks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we trimmed it because of uh for risk management, added a little bit back to it after its gap up. It's our uh still our third largest, but um but but when you add up the other the ancillary positions that we have, Meta, Microsoft, um AMD. These are all tied DT. These are all tied, uh, in some shape to, uh, AI. So we've got about 12, 14% of the portfolio, uh, in AI specific tickers.
0: Okay. Thanks. Don, Don, I think you just came up with the, uh, title for the show. Uh, the index is the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, by the way, you were talking about the banking crisis. Remember I told you last week or two weeks ago on the show, folks, I thought that a lot of this debt crisis Uh, fervor and talk. And I mean, they do this all the time and they jerk your emotional chain. They were doing that to distract you from the banking crisis because the banking crisis is the real problem. It's in the high interest rates that are slowing down the economy and the banks. It's not the debt ceiling. They can raise that as soon as they want. They just didn't want you thinking about that. But that's also why they brought out Bernanke and Powell Last week, or a couple about ten days ago, you had both Bernanke and Powell do this like, oh, I don't know, it's like a panel discussion where it's they were both up there and they were fielding questions and it was kind of talking about the Fed and the monetary policy and the overall economy and the Fed and how they were doing and really they brought in Bernanke as kind of the senior, kind of the emperor, if you will, like the 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 the, the uh, what do you call it? Um,
1: Chairman emeritus.
0: Yeah, the chairman emeritus. They brought in the big guns so that he could confirm that Powell is doing a good job. And it would soothe the banking concerns and soothe all this stuff. And it would be confirmation. So, number one, that the banking crisis really isn't an issue. But number two, that Powell is doing the right thing when he says he wants to pause on interest rates or and, and, and monitor the data going forward. Because he's been so aggressive raising rates, if he all of a sudden changes direction or changes raising, people are going to want to know, ooh, does he see something we don't? Or is it, is it, is what? In other words, yes, he could just relax, which he should do anyway, because the economy is slowing. But some people may think, ooh, does he see something we don't? Is it worse than we think? And so bringing Bernanke on makes that, gives that like a soothing, like you got a parent in the room. So that was all scripted it was all by design. And what does that mean? Well, Don's talking about the market. Let's talk about the breath now, Don, and the sectors that that huh?
1: Let's do it. Yeah. Ted. That means we're going yep. to you. Teddy bear, Teddy bull, excuse me, I, Teddy bull, Teddy Teddy bull. Teddy bull. <laughs> Teddy bull. <All> Congratulations <laughs> right. oh graduate. Yeah. Thank you. Congrats, Thank you. Ted. Heading to Florida <laughs> here in a, in a few short weeks, right? Yeah,
2: meeting up with Connor. It's gonna be an exciting time. Okay, so we've discuss the inescally. So the Nasdaq and S P five hundred are up twenty one point three percent and eight point one percent respectively as of yesterday. yesterday's close year to date and are in steady uptrends. This would appear to be a very healthy market. However, if you look under the surface, it's just not as it seems. So this year's uptrend, as Don mentioned, is led by the mega caps. So Don, if you can, if you can compare FNGS and then QQQE. So the equal weighted QQQs and then the FANG ETF. Uh Aha. All right. Yep. That's yeah, it'll look good. if If you compare those two charts in your, in your head, um, there's a stark contrast, the FANG ETF is almost at new, almost at highs in a steady uptrend while the QQQE hasn't even broken out yet from the space. So it just shows that it's been these, the fang stocks, the mega caps leading the way while the other stocks are lagging behind. Um, so like the stock, partici- stock participation has been like really narrow evidenced by breath. So now I'm gonna talk about the breath charts. So if Don, you can pull up okay. the net highs and lows of the NYSC and the NASDAQ. That'd be great. So yeah, um, as you can see, we 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 entered net high territory briefly in February, but it wasn't quite significant. And then we dropped back into net lows. And this recent rally in the last couple months has barely seen any new highs in the um, in the NYSE. And then if you were to go to the NASDAQ, we saw like plus ten highs like for a couple days. But if you just look across, pretty much no net highs in the last two months. And so that just shows that we still don't have stock participation. It's still the mega caps leading the way. Um, and then if you're to go on to the percent of stocks above the 200-day or just the percent of stocks above um, various moving averages, it just continues to back the claim that we don't have participation. Like if you just look at the quick charts that's, that's displayed on that picture, you just see those in downtrends, even though the markets are heading upward. Um, and then finally, if you can go to the NISI and the NAZI. And these charts were screenshotted as of yesterday's close. So the NISI is still living below the 10-day moving average on trend. The NAZI turned down for two days, even though it's above the, above the 10-day moving average. And then if you just compare all of these charts, the breath indicators with the NSs and the mega caps, you just have a completely different picture. Um, but fortunately, Don and Revere, we we have mega cap exposure, um, indexed ETF exposure, so we are we are keeping up with the markets, which is great. So what what I think we need to see is that we need a decrease in the severity of sector rotation. Um, we need to see industry groups participate, and then backed by new industry groups joining them as a whole. And we're not really getting that. Like for example, we'll have like one one sector doing well. For example, let's say software, and then they'll do well for like a week or two, and then another one will come out. And then software will pull back we need to see everything come into a cohesive group and move together um, and then finally we need to see breakouts work like mass amounts of breakouts proliferate and work and follow through so currently i, I mean agree you can classify the markets ahead. however you want we're in the uptrend but it's
1: it's led by the mega caps and we don't have broad participation true. And anytime you see mid and small caps lagging, especially small caps, you're going to get uh, a problem with breadth because new highs and new lows, a new high being made by Amazon counts the same as a new low being made by the worst uh, regional bank that you can think of. It's one to one, it's not weighted, but it is skewed towards small caps because uh, of the the large amount of them that trade on the indexes. So if oils are doing bad and banks are doing bad, uh, in particular, you're going to see breadth uh, at a problem. And this as a problem, and it is, but it, it's a secondary indicator and it just tells us what to avoid and where to focus. Uh, the same thing that we do every day in our morning meetings and our uh, night, nightly reviews that we do when we're looking at screening for all the individual stocks. Uh, That process points us to the winners and keeps us away from the losers. Thanks, Ted.
0: Uh, Let me, let me, let me, let me me just add one comment there. So what they're saying, folks, is that there's a couple, there's a few big, big mega cac stocks that are supporting and like all boats float in the rising tide. Well, you're not getting the boats floating in the small and mid-cap. You're not getting the rising tide. And so Either these large mega caps will start pulling up the rest of the sectors and you'll get better breath, which is what you want to see, or finally, those big caps are going to get dragged down by the overall market. It's not a healthy market when you've got such negative breath and you just got a few big caps leading. So that's my first point. The second point, Don is right. We're in a mega, uh, uh, it could be early innings of this new revolution in this certain narrow sector, AI. But you got to realize leading stocks on average fall 72% from their high. So last year, Tesla was down 69%. So all those peak Tesla millionaires, if they didn't sell their Tesla a year ago, they, 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 they gave 70% of their, their they, they, they lost, gave it all back. And that's why yes, this tech rally, and this AI may go for a while and Nvidia may be a great stock to hold for a while or it could get a blow off top, go up 30% and then sell off and turn around tomorrow so you still have to have a sell discipline even with these big mega caps. All right, done.
1: All right, let's head uh, over to our second recent graduate Connor Bates who will be uh Leaving his uh, leaving the nest in Michigan and moving down to Florida in uh, within a week too. Connor, take it away.
3: Yeah. So um, for today, we got a a good email from from a client just asking about what we've been covering um, today. It's just asking about the other sectors that aren't participating in this rally, and one specifically is medical names, healthcare. So. Don, if you pull up a chart of IHI, this is the medical equipment ETF. And you look at its performance the past five days, it's just going down. It it bounced off the 200-day moving average yesterday, but still it's lagging where you want to be in the market for alpha right now. So it doesn't look horrible it's holding the 200-day moving average, but, and it's pretty oversold, but that's not really where you want to be when all the money's flowing into AI stocks, big tech stocks that people are comfortable with, strong balance sheets and whatnot. And then if you pull up XLV as well, this is the healthcare ETF, and this one's trading below all key moving averages. So, what are these uh, spider ETFs telling us? Well, they're telling us you want to be in tech and the mega caps and, and really any name with an AI angle is kind of what the market's showing because if you look at all the other uh spider sectors I mean not a lot of them look very good uh, with the exception of you know XLK looks fantastic um communication services looks looks decent um but yeah when you look at you know healthcare staples utilities none of these uh sectors are looking very strong um and you know price action can just lead you in the right direction um, and where the money's flowing, so that, that's what we're always trying to do. And for the reason I just think is a uh, majority of people want to be in the AI theme and and the mega caps, um, so I think that's the big driver right now. And when you look at some of the other medical healthcare leaders that we've been tracking, um, LNTH, this one it's having a rough day today it it hasn't really done anything wrong all week it's just been consolidating but it's it's lagging very badly and look at it today it's selling off pretty aggressively um isrg is another one it had a strong gap up on earnings and it's been consolidating and just moving sideways so not necessarily doing anything wrong but it's they're lagging um and they're not producing the best alpha right now and then uh last one i'll mention is just uh tmdx which we've mentioned before this is another medical space related name that's trading below the key moving averages so not only are the sector etfs steering us away from some of these sectors but the individual stocks leaders in these spaces are saying the same story um so continue to watch all these sectors to see if anything changes but it's very, very clear where money's flowing right now and, and what the institutions wanna be in right now. And, and and
0: And by the way, by the way, folks, a lot of times you don't know the reason why it's happening. You know, the listener emailed Dr. M. He said, you know, why why is this happening in medical stocks? Look, I will tell you, a lot of doctors focus on medical stocks because they feel like they know that industry. Well, they do know that. And bankers always focus around financial and insurance companies. Tech people always have tech stocks because that's what they understand. A lot of times you probably should diversify away from what you know because that's where all your income comes from. But the main point is, Sometimes it doesn't matter the reason. Don't go looking for some kind of fundamental reason. It could be as simple as this area, AI or whatever, this area is a lot better right now. The big institutional money will take money out of that your this sector and put it in where they think they can do better. And so your sector that you've got an affinity to sells off for no really good fundamental reason with the exception of it was really the opportunity cost of having your money in a better place. That's why that sector rotate that's one reason the sector rotation is important to to track.
1: And and Dan here's the the ironic thing about that is uh, okay everybody's talking about we're heading into a recession so the the conventional wisdom would be If we're worried about the market, let's take refuge in some safer stocks. Let's go to the things that we know don't that hold up better in times of a trying economy. Let's do things like utilities. Uh, Look at the relative strength on utilities. It's at a yearly low. Let's go into things things like staples. Staples, they're safe, aren't they? No, staples are just getting absolutely destroyed over the last month. Same thing with healthcare. Uh, You know, the conventional wisdom of going into something safe just isn't working over the last month. In fact, it's not only not working, it's costing uh, a significant amount of money if you're focused in an overly defensive portfolio.
0: Right, right. Well, a lot of people believe that because big tech has so much cash because they're generating so much revenue right now with this debt uncertainty or whatever, people are saying, you know what? this is where i can park my money in safe even if the stock goes down some at least i know that company's going to be around and they're solvent i mean that that's yeah. one of the arguments that another argument not just the ia revolution those are some of the strongest places the safest places to put your money that's kind of con, contrarian thinking but it actually makes sense
1: all right let's segue over for our uh third segment to michael Michael, what do you got for this this week?
4: <clears throat> All right. So I just wanted to um, share a little of my perspective on the stock of the week uh, month and probably will be the stock of the year, uh, which is Nvidia. And um, just wanted to to share some some facts, uh, no opinions, and um, yeah, j- just shed some light on some things I- I've been thinking about and um, just, just some, some things that are interesting. Um, So uh, to put yesterday's rally in perspective, that huge uh, 25% gain, um, NVIDIA's rally yesterday was, so the amount of market cap that NVIDIA added on that rally was greater than the market capitalization, which is entire equity value of, um, of a stock, of Adobe, Nike, Disney, Netflix, Wells Fargo, Intel and GE added that amount of market cap in 1 day which is just absolutely incredible um and the same way it's extremely difficult to call a bottom and not something that we advise and actually something we we don't ever try to do it's almost impossible to call a top and as don said like if if you're riding a wave you've got to ride that wave for as long as possible because that's where your biggest gains come come from And if you're in a big winner, you want to ride that horse until you get bucked off. And um, with growth stocks that have a great story and momentum and the entire market looking at it, there's really no way of telling how long that trend can continue and what price is too expensive. Um, Before Nvidia earnings were released, the highest estimate and most bullish scenario that any analyst had forecasted for the next quarter was $8 billion in revenue. And they announced that they see revenues at $11 billion, which was just beyond the, the wildest expectations. And that number is with a plus, plus or minus 2% um, sort of confidence interval. So they're probably going to hit those numbers. Um, and NVIDIA received now a price target increase to $440 a share, up from the previous price target of $275 from Goldman Sachs. Analysts actually is is expecting now that Nvidia's revenue will increase to a hundred a hundred billion dollars for the full year in twenty twenty five, and the CEO of Nvidia is now saying, as Don said, the the beginning of this ten year cycle, and that we're at the iPhone moment for for AI, and something to think about and put this this um, rally and what's going on in these stocks in perspective, and especially AI, is that in the past. The majority of the best performing stocks have looked overvalued for their entire existence. So going back to 1992, (laughs) Starbucks went public, it had a price to earnings ratio of 300. Back in 1992, Starbucks had a PE of 300 and any valuation model would have told you that the stock, you should avoid it because it was way too expensive. And now looking back, their split adjusted IPO price was 34 cents. And today the stock's trading at $100. And that's a 29,311.8% increase. So if it was too expensive then, well, you missed out on a 29,000% rally. So 29,311% rally. Um, Stock prices, what they do is they reflect the collective wisdom of the market. And when you're trading or investing, your goal should be to make money doesn't matter if you're right or you're wrong you, you you're investing to to grow your account and to make money and if your valuation model tells you that something's too expensive but the market really likes it and it's rallying then then you you shouldn't be um yeah you, you shouldn't hold your opinions more dear than the collective wisdom of the market and um with all of that being said i will say you definitely don't want to chase and I'm not saying that you should go out and buy the stock tomorrow if you don't already have a position. While these types of stocks can produce these stunning gains, they can also be some of the most dangerous if you don't handle them correctly. Uh because when valuations are extremely rich by any measure, I don't I don't think anyone, I mean maybe some people are saying Nvidia's cheap because they've got this this vision of the future, but from any traditional valuation Perspective and standard, it's it's a very rich valuation. And um, when when these types of stocks are, are running on a narrative of massive future growth, if that story doesn't materialize as expected, then you got to watch out because as soon as anything changes, as soon as there's any dink in the narrative, as as uh, Dan mentioned about Tesla down seventy percent, you've got to you've got to be very quick to exit. Um, the, these aren't just buy and hold forever sit on them it doesn't matter what happens they can reverse just as quickly as they moved up if there's any problem um in their in their projected growth or if the the story doesn't materialize perfectly so i I would say um while they can be the best winners they can also be the most dangerous so you got to know how to handle them and be very careful
0: Hey, you know, you know what else I think is gonna What I think is going to happen with Nvidia next week? I actually think that the traditional advisor brotherhood. I think some of the big Wall Street banks. I think you're going to see a few downgrades next week, just so they can get in the 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 the, the brokerage firms, the investment banking firms that didn't get their clients in. Now they want to be part of it. So don't be surprised if they get a little bit of downgrade next week due to the froth- frothiness. We'll see. And one thing regarding your buy and hold forever, you hear about those, oh, you just stick it in your drawer, you buy it and hold it forever and stick it in your drawer. Folks, let me tell you, do you know how many stocks are left in the original Dow 30? The original Dow 30 stocks that were the biggest blue chip stocks at the time supposed to represent America? Don, do you know? Zero. Zero. I think a general electric is no longer in there, right? I think they took GE nope. out because it was yep. performing so badly and they don't like their indexes performing badly. So they got to move stuff around and add stuff in that's doing better, but there are no companies that made it and did well enough over long. They had certainly had decades and time periods. They did wonderfully, but there is no such thing as a stock you can hold forever, it's just nonsense. All right, Don, you got any other uh, add-ons, yeah, comments?
1: Here, here, here's what you're gonna see the Dow, uh, Dow Jones do over the next year. Remember last year when you, we got some big splits out of Amazon and Google and Tesla, and Apple did it also a, a couple of years before that? So now they're priced to where they can fit right into the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Oh, imagine the Dow, because yeah. Because it's a price-weighted index, they can't have a $2,000 stock in there because of how it will skew the value of the index. But now that these uh, companies split their stock, you're going to see some of these big uh, – household names like Amazon, Apple, Google, Tesla added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the next year. If that's they're my, doing well, yes. prediction. If,
0: yeah, if they're doing well. And by the way, Don's got a great point. So if you see a big mega cap that's a good stock, that's two, $3,000 a share, and all of a sudden they surprisingly do, not a two for one stock split, but a seven-for-one stock split or a five-for-one stock split. So they get their stock shares down to that magic $100, $150 per share mark. The Dow, they want you between like $100, anywhere from $80 to $100, $200 a share when they add you onto the Dow. Once that once you're added, you can do go more higher. You can do better, but they really they've got this sweet spot to be considered for the Dow. You need to be, you know, a certain value, and that's why all of these companies did that last year. They were line, getting ready to go onto the Dow. I agree completely, Don.
1: Yeah, that's how that's how Apple got into the Dow after yep. they uh, did their big split.
0: Yep, yep.
1: That's it, Dan. Take us. Uh, all right, us folks,
0: home. listen. Remember the reason for this weekend. It's for our veterans that gave all. Please have a safe and healthy three-day weekend. I'm going to just take it easy at home. I don't go shop on Memorial Day. I don't think that's what the day is for. That's just me personally. And listen, if you've uh, got any questions or comments, you can just email any of us, dan at revereasset.com, don at revereasset.com, TedderConnor at revereasset.com. You can always call us whole school at 855-REAL-WEALTH and just go up to the right-hand corner of our website. Uh, There's a subscribe button and you'll get this podcast in the inbox on Saturday morning. However, if you go to YouTube, and just search for Revere Asset and just hit subscribe. This one will go as soon as Zach gets it out, probably in about an hour. It's what, two Central Time right now? This will be out at noon Central, way before the market closes. If you For you active traders, for you stock nerds, you can get it a little quicker. And then Don does a... a uh, we call it Tomorrow's Insights. He does a daily market video every night that the market is open, a 15, 20-minute video. Talks about the indices, the short-term, long-term, and mid-term uh, uh, timeframes of the market. Talks about... The sectors and the individual stocks. He even talks about stocks that we're buying and selling, moves we're making in the portfolio. I personally believe we're one of the most transparent advisors out there. I haven't had one, found one that's more transparent. And and by the way, again, this is for uh, uh, not investment advice, this is for educational purposes only. If you want investment advice, reach out to us. Call us at 855 real wealth or email me, dan at revereasset.com. We'll talk to you next week on your money.
1: Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep.